0: Episode 197
1: And now here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor.
0: To the Dharmic Evolution. Very early this morning, I am uh, recording this podcast to come to you folks and uh, welcome you to the special edition storyteller series on the Christmas week of 2018, saying goodbye to 2018 this year and welcoming in the new year. And I thought we would do it by blessing you. All right, what is that all about? Well, we're going to visit the Sea of Galilee, we're going to talk about the Beatitudes where Jesus went on the, um, up on a mountain, yes, he, we heard it from the mountain, and he, um, he actually imparted the eight Beatitudes, and we're gonna go through them, and then you're gonna hear the song, which is, a uh, pretty killer, that we did with the Mercy Project on Music Row in Nashville, Rele- released this, uh, album in 2017, I think it was, um, And uh, it was entitled I Am Victorious, the album, and we're going to get into all of the uh, details about what are the Beatitudes all about, and why did the Heavenly Father want to bless us and send Jesus down to uh, impart this information to us and share this with us, and what about the Sea of Galilee and the Apostles? and? the healings and all of the things that went with this story. So you better strap up your seatbelts because we're going for a ride.
1: Are you a singer-songwriter, author, speaker or thought leader? Have you been looking for a platform for your career? Well, the James O'Connor Agency has exactly what you are looking for. Find out how we write and produce big, amazing songs on Music Row, authors, speakers, thought leaders and organisations like non-profit and corporations. We also help singer-songwriters and artists by giving them a platform on Dharmic Evolution, a podcast designed specifically to broadcast your global career, now in 71 countries and with more than 161 episodes of artists all over the world from all genres. We know how to reach your target audience. Are you a dreamer like James? Then reach out today to James at the JamesO'ConnorAgency.com and find out how we can help your global career.
0: Yes, indeed we can. So what first question I have is: why is the Sea of Galilee called a sea? That always puzzled me because it's not really a sea, but they call it a sea. you know, it's uh, it's too small to be a sea. Like, um, wh- what is what is the meaning of a sea? Let's, let's find that out. So, what is the meaning of a sea? How does it qualify, you know, to be... No, not a sea turtle. <laughs> you know, it seems too small. The expanse of salt water that covers most of the Earth's surface and surrounds its land masses. So, um often in places names a large lake. So the Sea of Galilee is referenced in there. So that's always a little bit confusing. But um, I like the name though. The Sea of Galilee is such a cool name. And by the way, it's drying up. Um, Just read this post here. The Sea of Galilee is drying up. It's at its lowest level in a hundred years. And why is that? I I really don't know what's going on with that, but. that's a little frightening because, uh, you know, global warming and all the things going on in the world right now, but um, getting back to the uh, Beatitudes, um, the Mount of Beatitudes, and this is where Jesus gave his sermon, um, and he preached to everyone about, um, there were eight Beatitudes. So let's find out, first of all, what is a Beatitude? Um and I want to just, I want to get into, you know, a bunch of different things uh, relating to that in the story that goes with that. So what is, what are, and this is confusing too, because it says there's 10 Beatitudes. But everything that I can find is there's eight. So I don't know, somebody's got to correct me on this. So, so let's look at what they are. And they are, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's number one. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. So, you know, if you have lost a loved one, um, this is what the Lord is imparting, that you will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of the world, heaven. It says inherit the land, so they will inherit the earth. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, So these are... You know the highlights of that sermon the beatitude sermon and what the lord was imparting to us and what we did with this song was we took the scripture and um we just rewrote it around that those central themes you know the the concepts remain intact of what it was meant to be and kind of took it and made it more song friendly so that it was um, it was musical and it fit in. So some things were shifted around just to be, you know, put put some attention on poetry, and um, and make it more um, accessible from sort of a a pop rock perspective, if you will. So that's how we approached um, creating the song, and then when we went into production. We pretty much used um, the same family band in Nashville on Music Row and uh with Kim Copeland producing and you know we approached it um with the same instrumentation that we used on the rest of the album so one of the things that i really like about the um the beatitudes is its message of hope and that's the part that i really take to heart and feel like wow there's something uh Besides this world, especially when we're having a really difficult time in this world, which many of us do daily, weekly, monthly, whatever your time frame is, you look out sometimes exasperated and just throw up your hands and say, you know, is this really all there is? And um, no, I don't believe that that is all there is at all. But uh, I came across this cool uh, writing and this gentleman's name is Jonathan Pennington. And it's three things you didn't know about the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm going to read some of this because um, it's not too long, but it's I think it's pretty good. So uh, here's three things I've learned about the Sermon that most people probably don't know. Number one, Jesus' Sermon is radical, but not entirely new. Out of respect for Jesus, we often assume his message was a lightning bolt of novel and wonderful things never heard by humanity before. The Sermon on the Mount is a lightning bolt. It's a direct revelation from God coming from the mouth of the Incarnate Word Himself. But this doesn't mean Jesus' teachings were entirely new. When we understand the sermon in the cultural context of the first century Mediterranean world, we can discern as much continuity as there is difference. This is a good thing. Jesus wasn't speaking Mars-based gibberish, but revealing God's kingdom to real people in real cultures. There are two slices of Jesus' cultural context that both illuminate what Jesus is saying and also show that the sermon isn't entirely new. In the Jewish context, Jesus is presented as a prophet, just like those in the Old Testament. Jesus is calling people to reconsider who God is and what he desires for his creatures. Jesus' message in the sermon is that God is our Father who sees and cares about the heart, not just external righteous deeds in religion. This teaching is rooted in and resonates with the prophetic tradition, particularly Isaiah and Jeremiah, with a healthy dash of Daniel and the minor prophets thrown in for good measure. There is deep continuity between Jesus' word and the rest of the Bible. The other context operative in the sermon is the world of Greek and Roman philosophy. Jesus isn't only a prophet, but also a sage, a wise philosopher who calls people to reorient their lives according to a virtuous vision of the world. As a philosopher, Jesus invites people into ways of being in the world that promise the truly good life, or human flourishing. He is a teacher who gathers and instructs disciples. His teachings are gathered together into memorable epitomies. He offers a series of macharisms, beatitudes, that promise true life, and he emphasizes virtuous wholeness. See especially 5.48. Certainly there are differences between the content of what Jesus said and what other philosophers taught, but the form and feel of the sermon would be familiar to hearers in the first century. At the end of this sermon, the crowds were amazed. But this isn't so much because the content is new, but because of the clarity, strength, and authority with which Jesus teaches. His teachings are radical, but not out of the blue. So I guess this is another reason why he was so um, shunned and so feared by the authorities of the day, whether it be, you know, the traditional um, Jewish communities or the Romans or whoever, they just did not want to accept this man who was so powerful. So let me continue with this. Jesus' sermon isn't an impossible ideal to show you your need for grace. So this is section two. A common reading of the sermon, especially within Protestant Protestantism is that its high ethical demands are meant to show us the impossibility of being good, thus creating a crisis that makes us flee to Christ for His grace and imputed righteousness. Jesus' call to never lust or hate, turn the other cheek when attacked, do pious acts with perfect God-centered motives, not worry about the future, and never judge others, All of these are impossible to do perfectly. This shows us our desperate need for Christ's saving work in our lives, so the story goes. While the impossibility of earning salvation and the need for radical grace are true from a whole Bible perspective, this misses the genre point and goal of the sermon. The sermon is not to use Luther's overly reductionist categories law that makes us see our need for gospel, Rather, it's wisdom from God inviting us through faith to reorient our values, vision, and habits from the ways of external righteousness to wholeheartedness towards God. This isn't law, but gospel. Jesus is inviting us into life in God's kingdom both now and in the future age. This is grace. No one can perfectly perform the vision of the sermon except Jesus. But this doesn't mean it's irrelevant to our lives. By faith and through grace, Jesus is inviting us into a practical life of discipleship. We participate in and imitate his Father-trusting, kingdom-awaiting way of being in the world. The sermon isn't all that we need to know or all that is true of the gospel. The end game of the gospel story is the death and resurrection of Jesus the Messiah. Through his faithfulness, he brings about a new covenant between God and humanity. On this basis alone, empowered by the Spirit, we're made alive. All of this is by grace. This is essential. In this, Luther and Christians of any stripe are right. Now, standing in this grace, believers respond to Jesus' invitation in the sermon. Our habits and ways of being are deconstructed and reformed through his teachings and model. Being a disciple is the appropriate and necessary response to God's amazing grace and the sermon plays a crucial role in that. All I can say is the um this was the number 1 rock star of all time. And and it, it with content that is um beyond uh getting excited about. So just going to read this uh third one. Uh, to wrap up um, this great uh, writing by Jonathan Pennington right after this message. Have you
1: connected with your gratitude today? I think I have something that will help inspire you. It's the brand new release from James Kevin O'Connor. Gratitude, recorded on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee with producer Kim Copeland and team, is James' third full-length album in four years. 10 amazing songs, each one a different story about the emotions, journeys and experiences that you and I have lived. Songs like Dreamer, Jesus Teaches, Tango On and 51 Shades of Grey. And of course, the title track, Gratitude. Pick up the brand new CD today with amazing artwork and photography at iTunes, CD Baby and Amazon. Or simply go to JamesKevinO'Connor.com for your download right now. Send someone that you love a copy of Gratitude today. It might be exactly what they need in their life right now. Gratitude, the new release by James Kevin O'Connor.
0: You know, I'm just sitting here reflecting on this uh this post by Jonathan, and um, before I read the third piece here and final piece, I just want to uh, comment that, you know, um, reflecting back on this and and kind of thinking about it, I think that, um, you know, we all have friends who are of different um, religious and spiritual belief systems and uh, denominations and so forth. And not being a theologian or or any having any kind of formal training whatsoever myself, um, I'm just thinking about the interactions I've had with other people who are on the Christian walk, and um, even amongst those friends, there are many different belief systems wired in. I don't think any one of us, um, you know, interpret God the same way. So I think that's. That's good, though. That's okay. It's like you take something as beautiful as this, the Beatitudes, and you you process the information and you say, "Well, how do I interpret this? You know, how does this further strengthen strengthen my relationship with God? And what am I taking away with this? What am I understanding from it?" And uh, I think it's real exciting news because when I when I go through it and I, I look at the different Beatitudes, it's like. Alright, for me, the checklist is like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, that's awesome. Blessed are uh, those who mourn, the bereaved, so they will be comforted. So, blessed are the meek, for they they will inherit the earth. So, on and on, each one, you can say, "Where do, where am I in this, you know? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, for they will be satisfied. That's a big one for me, because I'm always trying to be righteous. And it's something you need to put focus on, I think. It's something you can correct. Um, if you're bereaved, that's something you can't, you know, that's out of your hands, that's out of your control. But God is saying he's going to bless us who are bereaved. Um, so I think you can take, you know, the this take these beatitudes apart and you can participate in your own destiny, if you will, by saying, well, which of these can I work on, Which of these can't can't I, which are out of my hands? So back to um, our own interpretations like um, I have this one dear friend who views the idea that um, you can still have a relationship with the Father without Jesus. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know that I have to agree with that. Um, not not that she's not believing in Jesus by any means. It's just that her belief system is one that she can go direct to the Father and have communication. So I think, um, I think we have to have a lot of uh, patience for one another and a lot of respect for each other's belief systems. But um, it's just, I always say it's a never ending learning journey because there's so much to know and um reading something like this the beatitudes it always gives me a sense of inspiration um especially when you hear the song i think you'll pick up on it which i'm going to play in a minute um it's kind of like it draws you in and makes you a participant in something really beautiful and really hopeful and something to look forward to so um I think just, just thinking about that, you know, take that to heart that the news is good, folks. Yeah, it's really good. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let me just read this last third one that Jonathan wrote. And this third one's titled, Jesus' Sermon is meant to be memorized and to serve as a source for constant meditation. In the modern Western world, we're flush with Bibles. Literacy rates are remarkably high. As a result, most Americans and Europeans interested in Jesus and the Sermon can easily find a copy and read it. Google Sermon on the Mount and you can easily find countless translations and explanations. This is good. However, this isn't how the Sermon was originally received, nor the kind of pedagogical context in which it was intentionally produced. Rather, the sermon comes from a time and culture that concentrated on the ear more than the eye. The sermon, for both Jesus' original speaking and Matthew's writing, is designed as an oral, memorizable meditation device. Now, I want to back up to pedagogical, or pedag, what is it? pedagogical I had to I had to look this up because you know not being a theologian or schooled in in the areas of um, theology and and religion there it is pedagogical okay <laughs> I had to lay that on you and and it just means relating to teaching because I know there's someone out there that did uh you know didn't know what this meant I'm, I can't be the only one anyway let's uh let's move on to this last paragraph here It's one of Matthew's five teaching blocks that gather together Jesus' teachings on various themes. Present them in a memorable thematic structure, usually in sets of three, with vivid images and poetic language, so that would-be disciples can easily hear, memorize, and thereby meditate on what the master has said. To be a disciple is to memorize the teacher's sayings and to model one's life on his. I haven't yet memorized the entirety of the sermon, much to my regret, but I regularly take long walks and recall and recite the portions that I have memorized. I'm always amazed at the fresh power, the new insights, and the cross-canonical connections that flood my mind, things that I never noticed, despite multiple readings and thorough literary study. This is why the sermon was written. Try it. And I agree with that, Jonathan. Yes, try it. If you haven't written, um, read the Beatitudes, please, you know, just go and check it out. It's uh, really a worthwhile read. And you can find that in Matthew verse 5, 1-12. through 12. Or even better, you can plug into this song that I'm now going to play um, called Bless You. And this is what this show is all about. It's uh, designed to bless you today. Everybody listening to this... And please forward it to someone who needs this, um, and you can feel the blessing in this song. So uh, wrapping up, I just want to wish everybody a fabulous new year, a very Merry Christmas. Um, Hope you had, and uh, a joyous new year coming up in 2019. Very excited about the Dharmic evolution, all the countries we're in, all the support we've gotten from all you folks and the artists. Uh, around the world that have been on this show and will continue to be on this show hey we're now on pandora the big news was that uh we found this out about six or seven months ago that we had been selected to be in a beta test with pandora and i think they're announcing formally um right at the new year uh about their forage into streaming podcasts so uh, we're delighted to be included in that family. And by the way, if you're a Pandora uh, user, you can pick up all of our shows are on there. You can just go over and uh, and put in Dharmic Evolution. You can find us there. We're also on Spotify. We're also on iTunes. And we're also on, what's the, what's the other one? Oh, Stitcher Radio, of course. Yes. So uh, you can find us on any of those platforms. Hey, if you are an author, speaker, thought leader, or a singer, songwriter, and you would like a swing at being on this show, a featured guest, getting your own personal infomercial done by me, um, reach out to us. Go over to the website, dharmicevolution.com, the guest tab. Fill out all your information, drop it in, and we'll see if we can get you booked on this show. Support us at DharmicEvolution.com and also we're on Instagram. Just follow us there. And um, it was a pleasure hanging with you guys and ladies today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. But right now, it's time to bless you.
2: (music) While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are you,
3: the poor in spirit. Heaven waits for you right where you stand. And blessed are Who lost their loved ones? I will comfort you who are bereaved. And blessed are you, the meek and lonely, for you will inherit all the earth.
2: to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, Until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter
3: the kingdom of heaven.